yeah, there's welding going on next door. I really can't hear it. That's good. I, I feel yeah. like I will pick it up for sure in my mic, but mm. that's been going on for the past two weeks. What the fuck are they welding? They're making a, building. Like a whole new gate structure around and around. Oh, okay. Makes it's sense. It's all from like, the, they like gathered scrap metal. Like it's not, it's not like they went to Home Depot and... <laughs> that's so LA. I know. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was those pesky Scientologists at it again. No. Oh my gosh. I have something to tell you on that. Okay. So... We are recording. <laughs> Welcome to the Patreon-only episode. Um, hopefully, we're going to get a few more of these out. Um, maybe we try are. and do like yeah. yeah. Should we do, should we do like one every other week? Uh, I don't know. That's too many. <laughs> <laughs> That's too many. Anyway, we'll figure out the scheduling. But yeah, yeah. there's, there's definitely going to be ad hoc as and when we come up with ideas. Patreon episodes. Exactly. So, but we wanted to d- yeah. do it for our patreon listeners because we love you guys and yeah thank you so much for uh supporting us in this way it's it's amazing yeah i cannot believe that somebody likes me enough to give me a fiver a month that is mental <laughs> so yeah somebody other than my grandma yeah someone other than my mum. Right. so this episode we thought we would do our top three true crime documentaries yes because I will tell you this. I look through, you know, someone goes, oh, like, look, let's put on a true crime documentary. I'm like, I've seen them all. Yeah. I have seen them all. Like, <laughs> you cannot find one that I have not seen. And if you haven't, then you've heard it all. You know what happens. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes people will try, and I think, like, you're probably familiar with this, and, like, a lot of our listeners will be. Somebody tells you something, and you're like, I know. trust me i know (laughs) yeah um someone said to me the other day did you know that there's a website called murderpedia i was like yeah yes (laughs) (laughs) i know oh yeah what was the famous one i had which was uh, my friend went did you know there was a serial killer caught with a floppy disk i was like yes btk of course i know like (laughs) What else do you want to know? Yeah, I, I can tell you all about it. So um, there's nothing makes me happier than a true crime documentary coming out. Like someone goes, oh, there's like a new true crime documentary. I'm like sat, wait, like I look on Netflix for the date and then I clear my schedule for that day. Yeah. And I just watch uh, it. Like Speaking of that, there is a new HBO one that's just come out. It's a, a serialized one. It's not like a film. And mm-hmm. I'm waiting for them all to come out so that I can watch them. Because when what I watch it? the it's um so i can watch it <laughs> yeah. on. murder on middle beach Ooh. so has one episode come out i think two so far has come out at, at this that's good enough for me time i'm waiting because i when i watched the vow i watched it every week and it wasn't i was like i need to binge it i don't want to just wait till the next episode it is irritating out. yeah it is annoying but i'm so desperate at the moment <laughs> <laughs> that I'll probably take that on the chin. <laughs> yeah, but check yeah, it out. I'm, pr- and... I'm pretty thirsty for a new true crime doc. <laughs> yeah, it's about a son who he investigates his mom's murder. Oh, okay. Have I heard of this? 
Okay. HBO, um, they're they're like killing it with documentaries right now. They did they did the vow. They just did this one. I feel like they yeah. don't tell you until a week before that it's coming out, so you don't always know. I know, so good. HBO yeah. can do no wrong in my eyes. Like I know <laughs> they're up there with they're up there with um Josh Hallmark. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. <laughs> yeah. So I uh as I said watch so many true crime documentaries that there's I ingest them at such a rate that there's like few which I will watch again or say to somebody like you have to watch this like usually usually I'm like I know that I like true crime and not everyone else does and so I'm not gonna bore you with it and then sometimes I'm like no this is fucking amazing like you have to watch this yeah so that's like that's kind of like the criteria that I was thinking about yeah, and uh, um, that's definitely for my number one. I've watched it six times, and I've made <gasps> people watch it in my presence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my number one. I've made people yeah. watch it in my presence. It's just really well made. Three or four people, I think, I've like shoved that on. So, yeah. yeah. So here's my number three. Okay. There's Something Wrong With Aunt Diane. Really good documentary. Amazing. Yeah. Came out in uh, 2011 um, and it's HBO documentary. So, you know, it's like Italian hand kiss. Yep. So well made. Um, and you can, you can get it if you want to watch it. You can get it on YouTube and it's also on Daily Motion. So it's a one off film and it's about one hour 40 long. And it's directed by a woman called Liz Garbus. So mm-hmm. that's a, that's like a plus point already. It's directed by a woman. Yes. Um, she also. Yeah, she also did the film called The Farm, Angola, which is about, like, that hideous prison. It's, like, the worst prison. Okay. I don't think I've seen that one. Uh, yeah, that's, that's also a really good film, and that was Oscar-nominated. Okay. Um, so, basically, if you haven't seen it, There's Something Wrong With Art Diane is about a woman called Diane Schuler. She was camping with her family in upstate New York, and then they decide to drive home, like, separately, and she takes all the kids with her. And she's done this drive like loads of times. They're always at the campsite. And then so she's with there's five young children in the car, her son, her daughter and her three nieces. And then four hours after she left the campsite, um, she drives the wrong way up the Taconic State Parkway for nearly two miles. Um, And the police are getting like shitloads of calls being like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And then she eventually cra- crashes into an oncoming SUV and that kills her and the five children and seven others. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, so it's it kills her, the five children, and then two men as well, I think. Right, the people in the other car, right? Yeah. And it's one of the worst motor vehicle accidents to ever happen in New York State history. So basically the film is like, why did this happen? Mm-hmm. And they, you see her in a, um, a garage or like a service station and she's, she looks fine, but I think she's buying like painkillers or something. Yeah. And when they do her autopsy, they find out that she has really high blood alcohol levels and they also found vodka in the car. Right. But her, her husband is just completely in denial it's so sad how much he's in it really and is how much he's trying to fight that that wasn't her that wasn't who she was and she had like weed in her system as well and he didn't know that she smoked weed i don't think 
Mm. It's kind of suggested that she was like a secret alcoholic. Yeah. And nobody knew. In the documentary, they do give time to the husband and he does give his case of like, uh, weren't there certain mistakes were made and when they did the autopsy or like yeah. uh, when they were investigating it, there were mistakes. And that's why the husband is in denial because he's probably hanging on to those little mistakes that yeah, in his mind prove that they're wrong and that this is just some freak accident. Yeah. They're like, oh, she had like a brain attack of some mm-hmm. sort. She had like a psychotic episode or something like that but to be honest like even if you're really fucking drunk driving for two miles in the wrong direction yeah that can't just be drink you you have to you know you know you're on the wrong side of the road like right you have to be blind drunk barely functioning or hallucinating if you maybe yeah drinking uh vodka and maybe you smoked weed smoking weed yeah I just think about the kids in the car. How terrified were they probably? They called. And that's why the documentary is called that, isn't it? Because they call their parents and say, there's something wrong with Aunt Diane. Yeah. And that's why it's called that, which is like really haunting. It's so scary. It's so sad. They have Werner Spitz as well, who's like this incredibly famous forensic pathologist yeah. and he is involved in the John Bonnet Ramsey like uh documentary he's involved in that like he's I think he might have been in the staircase as well like he's just like a really famous um forensic pathologist that's always on tv and they take the autopsy to him and he's like okay I'll look over it and he's like there's nothing wrong with it mm. it, it is what it is yeah he's a master in his field yeah and they still don't believe it but also i would say the thing that shocked me about that documentary was they show pictures of her at the end mm-hmm. actual pictures of the scene they show her dead like slumped mm-hmm. yeah they're really graphic pictures at the end and i was just like whoa i cannot believe you're allowed to show this yeah really shocking but anyway it's just like a completely weird crime and the people in it are really interesting and it's just absolutely savage the amount of like children that die in it and stuff and yeah seeing a relative of somebody who's done something horrible and they are now dead is quite an interesting thing to watch so I'd, yeah. that's my number three nice one that's a good choice it's mm. a classic really good also if you're a listener right now let us know what your top three are i would love to oh yeah that. definitely because if i haven't seen it i will eat my sofa <laughs> yeah <laughs> And then we'll give you a shout out too, because you recommended something that we had missed. Yes, absolutely. My number three is The Thin Blue Line. Have you watched it? I tried to watch it and I like lost interest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tell me why I should watch it again. (laughs) Okay, so it's a film made in 1988 by Errol Morris, who's a famous documentary maker. He's, Mm -hmm. He's set so many standards. Cool. And also, he was a a detective before he became a filmmaker, which I did not know. Very interesting. Yeah. So it's about the trial and subsequent conviction of Randall Dale Adams for the murder of Texas police officer Robert Wood. It's a great documentary. It's like you may be lost interest because so many people have done the same thing afterwards really well. But it's the first Mm -hmm. ever true crime documentary that did reenactments. 
And that caused a lot of controversy because they were saying how it made people think a certain way. And it also, it's about this cop who got shot on the street. And they have Mm -hmm. like six different witnesses or however many witnesses. And they do reenactments for each witness's story. Mm -hmm. So if there's like a difference in like, oh, she dropped her milkshake or uh, she shot out the window or no, she didn't shoot out the window. She, whatever. All the reenactments show the different versions of the different stories that witnesses gave. Yeah. It doesn't help that like I've not watched it, so I can't talk about like I've yeah. watched it. But... Okay, <laughs> this is this was the other thing. It also uses the style of like people talking straight into the camera, which is which yeah. like, wasn't used, and that can be like a very personal experience with the audience. I'm talking very technically as like a documentary filmmaker, and this is why because <laughs> it's like import. It's like whatever you watch now was greatly influenced by the Thin Blue Line. In how they did it, how they used, like, cinematic music. Like, the Mm -hmm. music in that film is just... It was by Philip Glass. And Errol Morris chose him because he does existential dread better than anybody for films. (laughs) The longer the note, the higher the dread. (laughs) exactly what I thought of. Super hands. Yeah. In the show. Yeah. (sighs) Amazing. Yeah, he said he's the master of existential dread. Uh, and lastly, I can't watch this film without thinking of documentary now when they make fun of this film. Oh, do they? Yes, it's it's they do it to a T. It's like made exactly <laughs> like the shot for shot, except they add funny things in. It's like slow motion sign spinner like out on the street and then one of those like <laughs> blow up uh yeah. dancers outside it's like slow motion it gets shot and then just falls to the ground deflated yeah so amazing yeah it's just documentary now is hilarious and if you mm-hmm. like documentaries you should watch documentary now that's my like honorable mentioned yeah you you introduced me to that yeah. <laughs> yeah. You introduced me to documentary now and I would don't think I ever would have found it without you. So yeah, that's it is really good. And it's got that guy in it. He's in like loads of films. He's in like Forgetting Sarah Marshall and what's his name? He's also in Trainwreck. He plays like the love interest. Oh yeah. Uh he's on a really good show called Barry on HBO. Have you watched yeah. that? Yeah. No. Uh, oh man, Talissa, you have to watch that. You have is it to good? Watch- yeah, Bill Hader. <laughs> Bill Hader, okay. Yeah. So, The Thin Blue Line, do you know what? I Now I can watch it with, like, that in mind. Mm, so, yeah. yeah, I'll definitely give that another shot. I totally understand where you're coming from, though, because I watched it before I did documentaries, and I was like, this is kind of boring. But then when I was... <laughs> learn then when i learned the like history behind it and the controversy and all that kind of stuff i I watched it again with like a new a new pair of eyes yeah do you know what else i like doing i like finding out who made a documentary that i really like and then looking up their other documentaries oh yeah i do that all the time with all films that i've only i've only just had that idea like (laughs) and i did it with uh nick broomfield and I was like, oh, my God, he's got all these other fucking amazing documentaries. Like, it just opens up a whole other door of yeah. viewing. What else did he have that you saw? 
so he does the Eileen Wernoff's ones. Okay, yeah. Uh, and I also did it with Werner Herzog, and mm. he does like shit loads of great documentaries. Really weird voice. Yeah, he did one about Death Row, the guys on Death Row. Yeah, that's so good. It's really. He good. meets Dahlia. He meets Dali Rutia. Yeah. That woman who like killed her kids and then right. said that it was a burglar. Right. And then she she had like a party at a kid's grave. Do you remember? Yes. She had like silly string at a kid's grave and like Yes. I yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's a great case as well if you've not heard of it. It's really, really interesting. And she fucking clearly murdered the kids. Like people are like, Oh, I don't know if she did it. Of course she fucking did it. Like, are you stupid? I know. <laughs> what kind of weirdo has a party? At your kid's grave and brings decorations. And silly string. And it yeah. was like a week after it happened as well. Exactly. It wasn't even like a year later. It was yeah. immediately. Yeah. That woman is such a murderer. So um, my number two <laughs> yes. is Capturing the Freedmans. Okay. So have you seen it? I have seen it. Yeah. So it's it was in 2003. It's uh, 43 minutes long. Seems like longer, but... Again, HBO. Can't argue with that. That's one of the the documentaries that came out that was just, it was huge. It was everywhere. Really? Yeah, it was when DVDs were, everyone had DVDs. Around. (laughs) There was no Netflix yet. DVDs were a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, I really wanted to watch it. And it was such a, how old was I? 2003, 16? So mm. it was like I couldn't ask I couldn't ask my parents to like rent it. So <laughs> I think I had to Get wait through like the black market. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had to wait a long time before I could watch that that film. Yeah. So it's by directed by a guy called Andrew Jarecki and it's about a family and the dad of the family is um he's called Arnold. Mhm. He gets sent in the post, child, he gets sent child pornography in the post from the Netherlands yeah. and the US Postal Service intercept it. Mm-hmm. And then obviously that kicks off an investigation. And so they go to the go to his house and then they find more child pornography there. And then they find out that he's been teaching computer classes to kids mm-hmm. and those children um, have been sexually abused. Yeah. But what's so great about it and what I love about it is that it's, nearly all of it is like home footage Mm -hmm. from um which is the what is his name the son who also gets charged with child abuse jesse right jesse friedman the kids from the computer science class say that he was also abusing them as well but it gets ridiculous like i think some of it is true and then the kids are also kind of coached to like say stuff. And then it gets yeah. the stuff they accuse them of doing is just like insanity. Right. right. So it's just like basically a bit like Chinese whispers and it just all gets really out of hand. Yeah. But they film it. it it's filmed like Jesse is filming the family at home while this horrible thing is happening to them. And it's like, why the hell is he doing that? And weren't they just acting like everything was normal, too? Like, oh, these are just regular home videos. Yeah, but they're arguing in it. Like, they're filming a family argument. It's It's so so bizarre. Yeah. It's really bizarre and, like, such a weird format. And you could just, like, you could cut the atmosphere with a knife because 
like I say, they're rec- he's recording a family argument, which is bad at the best of times. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to see a video of my family arguments. Like, no. Absolutely not. I've thought about that as like a filmmaker. What would happen if I just, especially during quarantine? Oh my God. There's been quite a few arguments in our apartment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure somebody has done that. Yeah, I'm sure. I would want to do it to look back and be like, what kind of stupid things were we are like these things that were arguing yeah. stupid. Yeah. But we're like we're like fucking chickens like in a battery hen cage. Yeah. We're just like pecking at each other for stuff to do. Right. <laughs> so um also another interesting thing about this documentary is that it got made because um Andrew Jarecki was making a film called Just a Clown. Mm-hmm. which um, was about children's birthday party entertainers in New York. So um, there's a clown called Silly Billy, and yeah. that's David Friedman, who is Jesse's brother, Arnold's son. And he, So it's just like the sinister yeah. beginning where, the, where David Friedman is dressed up as a clown at kids' parties, and then you go on to find that his dad and brother were sexually abusing children, and it's just like... yeah. Ew. But yeah, anyway, Jarecki was around when the child sexual abuse charges were brought against them. And he was like, I, I want to make a film about that. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like completely uh, fate that he got the idea and like had the access and stuff. It's funny because in film school, when they're talking about documentaries, then they use that one as an example where it's like when you're making a documentary... You cannot account for what's going to happen. You might go down a completely different road because you yeah. found this amazing story. And that the thing... Like the tickled. Same thing, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. The same thing happened with Thin Blue Line. Uh, Errol Morris was investigating Dr. Death and he was going to... He got like funding and really? he was a documentary about Dr. Death. And then he ended up interviewing someone at prison and they were like oh you should interview this guy he says that he's innocent Mm. and so that's the path that he went down so Uh. it's just kind of insane when how sinister things can get when you like want to make a happy film (laughs) oh my god like digging around is never a good idea (laughs) you don't know what you're gonna fucking come up with yeah yeah okay so what's your Number two. My number two is The Act of Killing. Have you watched that one? Oh, my God. So, again, I've tried to get through it, and, like, <laughs> I can't. Although, do you know what? I think I probably did get all the way through it. But, yeah, the stuff, it's hard watching. It's very hard watching. It's also mostly subtitles, so... Yeah, and that, that can... puts people off. Yeah, exactly. But... Uh, it's about the individuals who participated in the Indonesian mass killings of 1965 through 1966. The film follows some of these men who still have some notoriety and power as the film crew encouraged them to reenact what happened in the 60s. And that's what's yeah. insane about it. They're just walking around, going up to like locals in their town, being like, hey, be in our film. Pretend that you're that we're setting your house on fire and we're killing your children, and oh my god, yeah, at the camera and like, and they they just met this person and you know they're in this town they're surrounded by like mothers and children, 
And then they're like, come on, we're going to reenact this scene right now. I'm killing you. Now scream. And it's like, I have 100% seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, that's how the film starts. Yeah. And it's just like they have no shame in telling you what they did. That's the crazy part. That's another yeah. crazy part. Like, right. They're just like, okay, so the, I think it's because, like, I think it's probably a credit to the filmmaker yes. of your approach. You have to approach them, like, completely non-judgmentally to get them to tell you what you want to know. Right. Exactly. And you kind of have to, like, big them up and be on their side uh, as yeah. well. Act like it's nothing and be like, right. oh my God, that's so cool. What else did you do? But thing. you're like a fan of them or, yeah, yeah. exactly. You're you're kind of tricking them. I, I don't like that about filmmaking. I don't want to trick Don't you? <laughs> no. You want to be Louis Theroux. You want to be like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're like casting for this film and they also use like dreamlike sequences where yeah. they're kind of, it's so hard to describe. There's like a giant fish and there's women dancing in a green field and there's like smoke and fog it's almost like a chinese theater right i don't know why they do that as well i think it's just visual like because it's a beautiful country yeah it? and it's supposed to be metaphorical like they could mm -hmm. the filmmakers come up with the metaphorical scenes with the actual men so it's like it right. just kind of shows how insane these men are that they're yeah. they've killed people and they they come up with these like beautiful uh dreamlike scenes. I also think that probably helps because they're like that's properly involving them. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's giving them a bit of artistic license over it as well. They're like right. I I need you to help me right. tell this story. Yes. Kind of thing. Yeah, I know what you mean about like getting bored of it or getting put off with it. But once you get to the end, I don't want to ruin it. So if you don't want to know what happens at the end, then you can fast forward it. But I'm telling you, Talissa. Okay. <laughs> but they've interviewed these men, two men. Throughout the film, they've explained why they've killed a bunch of people, how they've killed them, like gathering them mm -hmm. all onto a rooftop and like cutting their heads off or whatever and yeah. how they're living now they t seem to have a great life now like you know everyone mm -hmm. knows who they are and no they, consequences whatsoever no consequences they're they're friends with people in government they show like how indonesia is right now under the same kind of people ruling mm -hmm. but the main old guy there's this scene at the end and it's always stuck with me and i think that's why i picked this film he He's just like talking and then he stops talking and he just starts to like throw up because oh my god he's just been talking about murdering people and you could tell yeah. that it's a complete like body reaction to something yeah. that he's just repressed he's just pushed yeah like down. he hasn't had to think about it yeah or think about it in a bad way yeah that that's just what's stuck with me for so long that's pretty powerful into a documentary yeah <laughs> so i would recommend it as yeah if you just want to see something that's so mental and these people are alive now like you could go talk to them if you wanted to and it's a good history lesson like yeah exactly it's a good history lesson and um it's like a genocide basically isn't it 
Right. Um, For something that happened in another part of the world that, I mean, I didn't know anything about it. No, I didn't. Yeah. It is definitely worth a watch. Yeah. It's almost a bit like Requiem for a Dream, though. Like, it's so horrible that I wouldn't watch it twice. (laughs) Yes, exactly. For recording this, I started watching it and I was like, oh. Not this this again. I'll never watch it again. Like uh, Jacob's Ladder, don't get me fucking started on that again. Yeah, oh no. That film was made by Josh Oppenheimer, and he's done so many good documentaries. Uh, He did The Look of Silence, which was, I think that was also about uh, the same I've seen that advertised. Yeah. Yeah. But he's just very, he's very well known in like the documentary world that documentary is like another on another level it's like it's really hard like to explain but it's like what's wrong with art diane or like sorry there's something wrong with art diane and like other ones are kind of telling you the story whereas like Mm -hmm. that documentary is a work of art yeah it's speaking to people that will never speak to anybody else that story isn't like detailed in magazines like it's a very like stoic and serious topic that he's tackled in a beautiful way. Right. He's made these dreamlike sequences that have no business being in a story about genocide. Yeah. And that's what makes it on another level. It's really well done. Yeah, exactly. Also, like I said, when Nick Broomfield goes somewhere and he's just like, who can we talk to? And then he just like stumbles upon people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely fucking wings it. Like this guy has planned to death. Yeah. Who he's talking to and what he's doing, but he hasn't necessarily planned the scenes. So like they play out naturally. Right. But he knows who he's talking to, where, why, and when, and what he's going to do. And that shows. That. It takes so much work. It takes years of work. Yeah. To be trusted by people like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so my number one, yes. and the one that I've literally pushed on so many people, is The Jinx. Yes. So the full name of it is The Jinx, The Life and Deaths of Robert Durst, mm-hmm. um, and came out in 2015, and it's another HBO. Everything on my list is HBO. Like, <laughs> I've just realized. Exactly. They can't do wrong. They're fucking great. That's why. It's another level of, like, prime documentary HBO. that yes. You can get it on Now TV in England and Amazon Prime as well. When I originally watched it, I bought every episode because oh, I wanted to watch wow. it so much. Yeah. So uh, it's six episodes long, and it's so bingeable. You can watch it, it like is. you're like you're like itching for the next episode to come on. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. Um, so it's basically about a New York real estate heir called Robert Durst. He is a tiny, creepy, white haired old man with like devil goat eyes. So like, creepy. He is petrifying and he's so creepy. Like the stuff that he does is just he's like something from a horror film. Yeah. So it was written by Andrew Jarecki, again, same guy that did Capturing the Freedmans. Definitely looking at what else he does, because I I obviously really like his documentaries. (laughs) So nice, I included him twice. (laughs) He did Catfish the TV show. He produced that. I love that. (laughs) I love that TV show. Um, So it's written by him and uh, also by Mark Smerling and by Zach Stewart-Pontier. So Andrew Jarecki, and again, this was kind of made, this documentary was made like by accident. 
much mm-hmm. like capturing the Freemans. Yeah. I don't know who Andrew Jarecki is blowing upstairs, but like great opportunities just keep falling into his lap. Yeah. Because he basically uh, bought out a film called All Good Things, and it's that was bought out in 2010. With good old Ryan Gosling. Yeah, and Kirsten Dunst. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, that film is about Robert Durst's life, and it's very flattering. I mean, having Ryan Gosling as your the person who plays you. That is not what Robert Durst <laughs> looks like. He looks like Nothing. fucking Gollum. Yeah. <laughs> so no wonder he was absolutely chuffed and he rang up um, Andrew Jarecki and said that he wanted to talk to him, which is amazing because uh, he's never spoken to any journalist ever yeah, before that. Right. Refuses every single um, refuses every single request. But it just goes to show that he is a psychopath narcissist. Yes. And somebody made a very flattering film about him with Ryan Gosling in and he was like, oh, I'll talk to you. This guy gets me. Yep, this guy knows exactly what I'm about. Washboard abs. <laughs> so, yeah, so he professed admiration for the film and he offered to be interviewed. So this conversation was recorded and incorporated into the documentary. He ended up sitting with Jarecki for over 20 hours over several years. And the series starts with a body has washed up on Galveston Bay in Texas and it's mm-hmm. in bin bags. Yeah. And in the bin bags is his ID. So they find out that he's a guy called Morris Black and they find out where he lived and they find out that he lives next to this like weird old woman who doesn't talk. And you're like, what? Turns out that's Robert Durst in a wig. You're just like, what the fuck? (laughs) So that's that's just episode one. Like (laughs) Insane. It's insanity and it all really happened. And like, then you just, fu- it just fucking unfurls into like this mad shit that he's done over the years. And and how much he's gotten away with. Yeah. And he's all, but why has he gotten away with it? Because he's a yeah. fucking billionaire. White man billionaire. Old white rich man gets away yeah. with crime. Right. Headlines. <laughs> Headlines we hear every day. So yeah. Um, and like, trust me when I say this is this is one of the only true crime documentaries that has genuinely scared the shit out of me. What scared you about it? So, without like being too spoilery, you know, at the end when he's talking, and yeah. so basically, he's really old and a bit doddery, and he doesn't realize that he has a fucking microphone attached to his top, and so he yeah. he speaks to himself, and it's really creepy, yeah. and he like says stuff. And they pick it up on the mic and they're like, his lawyer like runs over to him and is like, your mic's on. That's how they oh my presented God. it in the documentary though. Oh, really? So you That's don't think... That's not how it happened. Is it not? No. What? So, Rachel, I'm don't ruin this for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so what I don't happened? have to tell you. Nobody like came over and stopped him. Nobody, he wasn't, no, they, they didn't... just leave him and, and sit there. He... No, they did in the first bit. In the first bit, he's being interviewed and he is like practicing saying something over and over again. And that bit happened. At the end, no one comes up and says, your microphone's on. Yeah. But in the beginning, they do. I've but watched like it like actual, four times. Like <laughs> when they when they like just show black and then they show yeah. just talking yeah. because he went to yeah. the bathroom or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Basically, he is shit at not realizing he has a microphone on. Yeah. So that's as much as I can say without like ruining it. 
but fuck me it is one of the most crackers documentaries I've ever seen and my dad and my stepmom watched it and they like binged it all yeah like just because I showed them like the first 15 minutes of one episode it's insane it's incredible five stars would recommend I agree with definitely yeah what's your number one my number one is going clear obviously the full name is going clear Scientology and the prison of belief um, so for those who have not seen it because they haven't been in my presence and I haven't forced them to watch it, it's an HBO documentary by Alex Gibney, who is another great documentary filmmaker. It's the history of L. Ron Hubbard and how he started Scientology and the tactics that Scientology used to get people to join as well as make them stay in the cult. Uh, including using high-profile celebrities and buying property all over the world to give the illusion of growth. I gladly watch it, mate. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, do you want to hear? Do you want to hear a funny story about when I first watched Going Clear? Yes. You know when, uh, like, our mutual friend broke up with me. Yes. I was so depressed that I stayed in bed and I ate pepperamis, which is just like salami, like. Yeah. And I drank red wine and I took codeine and I just like led in bed watching Scientology documentaries. I got, I got down a Scientology hole and like you suggested going clear. And I was like, ah, oh, this soothes, this soothes me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the first time I watched it. It's so funny how like certain films and TV shows you watched in like a horrible haze of something. And that's what makes you remember it. <laughs> And like my mum honestly came in the room at like two in the afternoon and she was like, um, are you okay? I just had like fucking pants and vest on drinking red wine from the bottle. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. She was like, okay, I'll check on you in another hour. <laughs> Meanwhile, something harrowing is happening on the TV and you're just like, shut up. I'm watching this. And then he's like, L. Ron Hubbard, like in the background. <laughs> yeah. So... The film also interviews people who joined and then left, and it follows how they were coerced into doing different things for Scientology, give them a bunch of money, and then how they were able to escape it, leaving some of their family members and loved ones behind. It also shows how Scientology harasses those who have left and have spoken yep. out against it. Which is mad. Yeah, including Alex Gibney, who is the filmmaker. They started really? him. Yeah, they kind of show that towards the end. They harass yeah, him. Yeah, I think I do remember. And it's just like, if you claim that you are religion and you're doing stuff like this. They fully like buy houses living across from somebody so that they can like ruin their life and spy on them. Exactly. Like, or like make friends with, like pretend to make friends with them. Like it's such a long con. And it seems like such a waste of time. It's just like, just let people and energy. live their lives. Yeah. I know. Yeah. A simple, we're not talking to you anymore would do. Right. Like, <laughs> You're out. So on that note, you know how I pretty much live across the street from a huge Scientology building? Yeah. My friend is a plumber. And he just told me this past weekend that he went into that building. And I was oh like, Oh my God. Was there no one in there? And he was like, Yeah, there's no one in there. And there's doors that lead to nothing. No. Yeah. Oh my God. We need to get into our body cam. <laughs> I oh. should ask him next time he does that. He's the uh, also the person who did our theme song. Oh, David. good for him. 
Yeah. yeah. Although maybe I shouldn't in case Scientology are like listening. I won't. Well, I, Scientology <laughs> will have to also be a Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. So... I'll take their money. They have a lot of money. <laughs> so um, I think we're fine. <laughs> on that one yeah so he went into that he went into that building that is across the street from me and fixed their toilets or whatever problem they were having oh my god yeah yeah we need him to wear some sort of camera i need to see him there (laughs) but yeah going clear is fucking incredible and it's almost like um it's like the bible of if you want to know what the fuck scientology is watch that film yeah, and it was made after a book as well. Okay. Yeah, it's just like an all-rounder. It just tells you everything you need to know mm-hmm. in a really interesting way. Yeah, really well made. Yeah, really Five well made. stars, would recommend, would force you to watch. Would force you to watch is the review that we need to offer. <laughs> but yeah, I'd, I like you said, I would love to know what other people's I will force you to watch this documentary is. Yes. I want to know because maybe you've never seen it. Right. And you would make you make my fucking day if you yeah. found me a good documentary that I haven't seen. Honorable mentions go to uh that Chris Watts one that's currently on Netflix that just came out. That is really well made. And it's directed by a woman. Yes. A British woman, actually. I listened to the podcast that you recommended, the mm. Real Crime Profile. I listened yeah. to the five parter. Um on still this coming p- out with episodes. There's now eight oh. episodes on it. <gasps> That's such good news, Rachel. Yes. Thank you <laughs> for drawing my attention to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm gonna listen. I was listening to those, and they're fucking great. And they have the director on there mm-hmm. um, as a guest, and yes. yeah, she's really interesting to talk to. And it seems like she had a lot of access, like to her fat to Finan's family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It seems like they spoke to her, and like she wouldn't really say on the podcast but like i would love to get her in a room and have a drink with her like not in a creepy way like (laughs) not in like a prisoner way just like we are in the same room voluntarily here and you're telling me what you think (laughs) yeah because yeah so interesting and also i listened to like a you i looked at a youtube video about um nicole kessinger the Mm -hmm. girlfriend of chris watts and Mm -hmm. they were saying that um they could prove that she lied about knowing that he had a wife because she was like i didn't know he had a wife yeah. i didn't like all this stuff well, she, he when, told her that they were separating so she did know but yeah but her facebook shanann's facebook profile was public hmm. and on there she's got her like announcing that they're pregnant videos of them like it's obvious and and she like would put hashtags on the photos being like hashtag power couple hashtag best couple ever like yeah and stuff like that and they found searches on nicole's um computer where she had googled shenan watts like a lot so it's likely that fact though no 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 before really yeah oh i'll link you to the video yeah. I mean, it could be bullshit, but like, yeah, she basically pretend like in um real crime profile podcast, they really give her a pass. So yeah, they really defend her. Yeah, and I, I tend. To I mean, side I don't think them. anything's. I don't think anything. Obviously, none of it is her fault. Oh but yeah, 
she downplays her involvement with Chris right. to the police. Yeah. In terms of her, basically, I think she knew he had a wife and I think she fucked him anyway. And I think he then said, I'm going to leave her for you. Right. That's what I, that's what I think happened. And well, she didn't want to say that. He told her that they were separating. And apparently in the police interrogation of her, she was like, he told me that they were separating. I didn't know that she was pregnant. So maybe she was lying about the pregnancy thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll never know. But like, yeah. oh, she's fucking a guy with like, I don't know. It's a bit like, it's dodgy territory, isn't it? Like, yeah. I know you're separated, but you still live with her. Like, fuck a guy that doesn't have that going on. Right. There are lots of men out there. Also, she was she's <laughs> like a, a pretty girl. It's not like she mm-hmm. had uh, no choices. Yeah. Also, I think he probably love bombed her a bit. For like, sure. Yeah. Like you come, like he came into her life and was like, "Oh my god, I'm completely and utterly in love with you. Like you're the yeah. best thing that's ever happened to me." And like, right. that's quite hard to turn down sometimes yeah. if you're feeling a bit low. True. So it's probably half a dozen of one and six of the other, or whatever. Yeah. So I would recommend American Murder, The Family Next Door. Loads to unpack in that. Like you can really go down a rabbit hole. Definitely. It's really interesting to see their texts as well. I think. Yeah, they do it really well in how they how they present them texting each other like as the yeah is happening yeah that is done really well so yeah they are the documentaries that we recommend and like yeah. i said let us know if you're looking for something to watch this holiday season then <laughs> check out one of those or let us know yeah. what you're watching cool okay well thanks again patreon supporters yeah we will and talk to we'll... you very soon see you in the next one bye, bye.